Hello, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and our Wonder Women in Business podcast give a voice to the woman who has stories that are meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories, or rather, they share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine. And our guest today on the podcast is a friend of mine, someone I met during a really important uh, time in my life where I needed and felt like I had to develop areas of my skills. Uh, And so Kate Krug is joining us today. I'll briefly tell you a little bit about Kate And then I will invite her to really introduce herself and tell a little bit about how Kate got to where Kate is today. Kate is a nonprofit leader, mentor, and volunteer who's dedicated her career to the advancement of women, specifically women in underserved communities in New York. Kate is currently the Vice President of Development and Communications for Non-Traditional Employment for Women, the acronym NEW, N-E-W, I love it. And the tagline, hard hats, strong women, building the future. Awesome. Welcome, Kate. Welcome. We're so excited that you accepted the invitation to be with us today. Uh, I just want to ask you to take a few minutes to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about Kate and how Kate got to NEW. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you, Natalie. This, thank you for having me. Thank you for that really beautiful introduction. I loved that. Um, I um, like to tell people kind of a little bit about my story and how I grew up and how that kind of led me into nonprofits. So my father served in the Navy for 21 years and my mother has been a social worker my entire life. And they're both these incredibly social people I always remember growing up like big Christmas parties, big Thanksgivings, you know, the moment there was something to celebrate, a birthday that ended in a zero or a five, there was a party. (laughs) Uh, Additionally, like um, my mom made sure that I was a Girl Scout. I did community theater at rec centers where we lived. Uh, I went on field trips with the Boys and Girls Club and they were some of the best field trips I've ever been on. And my first ID, that I got to carry around in my little like fanny pack was a library card. So my parents built giving back into their careers and then they surrounded me with opportunities by these nonprofits in our communities. So I like to tell people that I was shaped by the power and access that nonprofits provide. And I just decided that was the place for me. That's where I wanted to be when I started looking for careers. Wow, that's <laughs> really great. And guess what? We were both Girl Scouts. I didn't know that about you. I'm so excited. (laughs) So we're we're always prepared. We're certainly adventurous. Um, I look at you and just reflect on, wow, this is an amazing seat that you're sitting in. Working for an organization that is focusing on non-traditional employment. And I know you you gave us background on mom and dad and sort of this uh, great uh, nurturing environment that you were in very interactive with your community. Um, and that might've planted a few seeds. So what was it that really drove you to want to work 
in a career focused on women? I started off um, my fundraising career working for politicians in New Jersey at like the local um, and like state level. And after about a year and a half of fundraising there, I realized that maybe politics is not the place for me, but I really knew what I was doing when it came to fundraising. And where else could I do that? And I started working at a really great organization called Cerebral Palsy of North Jersey. I think it's now called Pillar Continuum Care. And um, I really got introduced into this whole nonprofit world of development, this marketing, communication, this forward facing and raising money and like gathering people together to raise money. Um, it was just so much fun. And from there, I went to Columbia University um, Medical Center and I worked in their department of pediatrics. And at the time when I was at Columbia, um, if you were a full-time employee, you could go to their um, master's programs for free. And so every day my mom was like, did you apply? Did you apply? Did you apply? And, I, and so then one day I got an email that said, if you don't get into this um, program by the fall of 2013 or fall of 2011 or something like that, then it's no longer free and you have to pay a percentage of it. And I was like, okay, so I guess now I do really have to apply. So I applied and I met so many people once I got into this program that were like from nonprofits all over the place, like just all over New York City. I met so many like wonderful advocates at social justice organizations, at workforce development organizations, at, you know, some from the Girl Scouts, like just, and it just like really opened my eyes. I was like, oh, there's even more, there's more here. Um, and as I was graduating, I started to think about like, do I want to stay at like an institutional nonprofit or do I wanna be more boots on the ground? And I um, was lucky enough to talk to some people at Safe Horizon, which is the nation's largest victim services agency, but they only serve New York City. And I interviewed for the job of director of special events. And that's, that's when I really realized, I was like, my focus is here for women and supporting those in underserved communities in New York City. I wanna be the boots on the ground here that's helping. And this is the way that I know how to help. So I'm gonna fundraise for the people that are delivering the services and making sure that the money's there for the services. So um, Safe Horizon really like took a, took a hold of me and like just said, this is where the commitment lies. And from there, it's just been a journey to new where I, I, you know, I went from that place at Safe Horizon where I got to talk with the people that we serve and help them through their journey. And then at new, it was just one more extra tool for them. Like, you know, these careers that we help these women get into, um, it, it's, they're transformative because they're just a pathway to the middle class. They come with benefits. They come with access to a 401k. They come with pensions. They come with healthcare. And usually people are coming to us who are unemployed or underemployed or they're full-time employed, but they don't have benefits and they don't have access to these other things. And like, just, you know, we think about like a lot of our grandparents or our parents, they, they had access to pensions. Like that was a part of their job all the time. And then they were able to buy homes and help with big purchases. And that's just not a thing anymore. So like to be able to, you know, put this in the hands of those that need it and that want it and that they're ready to like, especially right now, do be part of an equitable recovery for all in New York City. It's just, you know, I feel very fortunate to be in these spaces. It is because they are transformational spaces, right? And, and speaking of transformation, 
in all of that that you were you know shared with us in terms of your very deliberate um, positions here and roles there and opportunity to jump into that program free of cost what were some of the challenges that you wrestled with or some mm -hmm. of the personal hurdles because you know, it, it sounds like, wow, Kate, those stars were aligned. You had the best timing ever. But uh, you and I know that every move that we make comes with some decision making, right? Some cost, some sacrifice. So can you reflect on a challenge or hurdle or a period of time where you really had to, you know, dig deep and maybe make some decisions? I, I'd have to say, um my biggest challenge throughout my career has always been me. Um, I, you know, have like very low self-esteem. I don't think very highly of myself. And I think that's something that a lot of women feel. I definitely have um, that imposter syndrome that we all talk about. Um, I never think I'm smart enough, I'm prepared enough. Do I deserve this? That's a big one. Do I deserve this? Um, do I know what I'm talking about, especially when you get talked over? Um, so I always had to push myself into places that I was uncomfortable being in and learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's still the case. Um, so um, one of the big things that I learned that I did while I was at Columbia is, of course, that, you know, the different classes that they put you through that's not really focused on so much fundraising, maybe it's marketing or something adjacent. Um, one of them assigned the book to read Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. And he is the CEO and founder of Zappos. And not only did I just love this book because it just made me so happy, but it made me think really hard about the challenges and the choices that I needed to make for just myself and my career and my own happiness. Um, there was like three big things that I took away from it is treating people with respect and lifting them up is always going to garner more success. So his book is all about like how to grow and nurture a company. And he was all about like listening to his employees and calling them partners and really um, providing space for them and being there to support them. And then the second takeaway that I got from that is like, well, no, don't I deserve to be treated that way as well? And then the third one was, if the CEO of Zappos, whose net worth is like over a billion dollars, can uh -huh. figure out how to be kind to people who are on the phones taking orders, then I can figure out how, the type of kindness I deserve and the type of kindness that I'm going to give. And this is all happening like around the time of like 2008 when we were all just supposed to be happy that we were employed. <laughs> like yeah. yep. we're not supposed to complain. We, you know, it was like, none of us were using our vacation days or sick times because we knew that there was like a line out the door of people who wanted our job. Like we were still worried about where the money was going to come in terms of fundraising and how we were going to get it and like what we were going to do. And it was just, and people were such on high, like so high strung and such on edge. And it was just, some people were mean <laughs> and yeah. I'm just not going to, um, I'm not going to be that type of leader. And I'm not going to let anybody lead me that way anymore. So I think my biggest challenge was accepting that I can be tough and that I can be kind and it has nothing to do with being nice or polite. Like I can still be those things and still um, 
do a good job at the end of the day. Like I just, you know, we're so we're told all the time to be nice and to be polite and to be good girls. And I just, ugh, I hate that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can be a kind person that's thoughtful and strong without, you know, being deferential or like being mean or like having to give, you know, my space to someone because they think they deserve it more so than I do. Like, you know, that has those to are, do those with are that. the challenges. <laughs> yeah. Being authentic in your environment. Um, yeah. And so I, I, you know, I'm sensing that, uh, of course, you're very values driven uh, and very led in terms of, um, the conviction of, of doing certain work um, and, and doing it quality work. Um, I applaud you as being a woman who is not afraid to ask for money because a lot of us run away from a fundraising or an asking it, it sort of takes a gift to do that. So uh, I applaud you for that, absolutely. Thank you. Now, going back to your comment on wanting to be strong um, yet kind and beautiful and amazing. Tell me about Rosie the Riveter and sort of what you see yourself um, gleaning from her. Cause uh, you know, I, I know that she is someone that you admire. So tell me a little bit about Rosie. <laughs> so um, it's, it's so funny. Um, a few years before I was uh, hired at non-traditional employment for women, where we train um, and place women in unionized construction careers, I was working on another wonderful organization called Services for the Underserved in New York City. And uh, every year for Halloween, we all dressed up. And the year before I met New, I dressed up as Rosie the Riveter because I just love her about like, we get the job done. And I think like Beyonce had just like dressed up as her. So of course, like we were all like Beyonce did. So now we all want to do it. <laughs> and like we just you know I, I just want to share the strength of women and that we do get the job done and that you can turn to us you can rely on us and we can also be the leaders we you know we're not just uh, your teammates but we can be the leaders and I just I love that message and that imagery of her and that we can you know it she can look like anybody because strength is, you know, there's no definition of what strength looks like. So um, yeah, yeah, I love Miss Rosie and I'm so, it was just coincidence that the year before I started working at new, I, my Halloween costume was Rosie the Riveter. Yeah. I love it. It's such a powerful pose there with the, um, to see her, you know, flex her muscle. Right. Um, and we, we often don't flex our muscles in that way. Um, so if you had to give some advice to another woman, because, you know, our focus is really, you're doing it every day, lifting women up um, and encouraging them. So if you had an opportunity to share a really strong belief with another woman to lift her up, what would you say? How would you, you know, sort of advise her, um, advise another woman on how to support women? in business or women overall? I think um, what I like to do and what I ask others to do, and I ask them to do it at no matter what level that they're at, is to um, bring another woman to the table. And, you know, not just the meeting table, but I mean, bring them on your project team, um, invite them to share their thoughts and their wisdom, invite your woman competitor um, invite that woman that knows more than you 
invite that woman that knows less than you invite that woman who had the idea that you're not going to pitch like invite them to the table share the space with them um i think just inviting them to be there and then also to be their support system at that table in that moment in that room on that phone call during that project process to let them know that you're there as well because once we're at the table i know people are really like afraid of losing their spot at the table but i don't think it doesn't happen as often as you think once you've gotten there it's now making more space for others at the table i love that there is enough room for all of us to be there there um, is and so like you said it it doesn't always happen right the bad story the story of well i extended myself to someone and this is what happened to me doesn't always happen um but if you had to rewrite a situation as you reflect on your journey, positive or negative, what would you maybe have done differently if you had an opportunity to go back? Knowing now what you know as a young a professional woman, what would you say you might have done differently in your journey? I gave a lot of power and passion to, and I still do to everything that I do. And, um, and I let it when I was younger, be more than work. I let it be my life. And I forgot this adage that I was taught like a long time ago. And I've heard different iterations of it about that there's in life, you have to treat it like a glass ball and not a rubber ball because when you drop a rubber ball, it can bounce back, but life is a glass ball. And if you drop that, it could chip, it could crack, it could shatter. Um, and I think it was learning balance and that you can, you know, create a good energy and a good balance at work. I, the, I used to be at my desk until 1 a.m. planning events and then like thinking I was hearing ghosts because I was so tired. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then like sending out an email and then like getting an email back saying like here's the corrections and I was like oh my god why is this person working too like what and like and then like being back in the office at 7 a.m and that and I thought that that was because that's the life of a an event planner and maybe it is sometimes but it shouldn't be consistently I think it's about really knowing that sometimes it's okay to turn it off and walk away because you're going to be better for the job and it's going to be better for you and also learning to delegate like i that was a hard one to learn because i just thought everything had to be on my shoulders but learning to delegate is also another way of making space at the table right so it's like giving you opportunity and i always like to think of it like if you're on my team or like you want to be on my team or we want to work together I don't think of your success as um, like something that's been just awesome for the organization, like, cause it is, but it's also like your career development. Like I work at a place that does career development for women, making sure that they excel in the trades. And I like to carry that into my team as well. So let's work at your career development too. Like, I want you to stay with me forever cause you're awesome, but I know that you're not. <laughs> so how does this project that we're working on impact your resume? What are the metrics you can put on there? Like, what are the big numbers that are going to make you shine so that someone's going to steal you from me, but I'm so happy for you. It's, you know, I think the challenge was learning how to be a grown up 
because I just thought I was just supposed to put my head down and work. And I don't know, maybe that's a product of like working through that recession. <laughs> like I'm here to survive. Yeah. And now it, it doesn't, even after a pandemic, I don't feel that way. I'm, I know I can do good work and do good product and make sure there's balance. And we have better confidence in, our, in ourselves from the lessons learned. And you, you certainly walked a few uh, miles in different directions before landing here, which is great. So what is it that absolutely excites you right now personally? If you could just think about, you know what? I get absolutely goosebumps when I think about this for yourself. <laughs> So I'm talking about Kate, the woman behind, you know, this position and everything else. Tell me what excites Kate. <laughs> I think well, I am really excited that I live so close to a park. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but like I just I live really close to Prospect Park in Brooklyn and I get to go there now whenever I want. And like on Saturday, there's a farmer's market. And then it, it looks like you're in the middle of the woods when you're there sometimes like, and it just, it's such a difference from like living around the corner from the fire station and them just zipping past me all day long. So that's like my silly excitement is that I feel like I live next to the woods and I get to pretend to be, you know, you know, that I don't live in the city. Um, I think also too, like I started to pick up like small projects, small hobbies, like learning to, to crochet. I am terrible at it. And that's a, there, there's a challenge for me. Like I like to give up when I'm not good at something. <laughs> like, if I am not good at this right away, I give up and I'm not doing that with crocheting. I have so many things that are supposed to look like squares, but mostly triangles. Like this is going to be a weird blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at the end of the day, it'll provide you with the same comfort, protection, and warmth as right. the perfect blanket. So is there a lesson in that about perfection? That, oh, yeah. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I, yeah, I, I definitely, and I didn't realize I do this until like it was pointed out to me by my boyfriend and then reaffirmed by my therapist, which is, you know, I'm sitting, I if it doesn't come easy to me, or if it doesn't, if it's not like a natural, like within one of my natural talents, like then I just want to give up because I don't like failing. I have such a fear of failure mm. that, and that people will be disappointed in me and that I have let people down and that they won't come to me again. And that's just, I mean, this one doesn't have anything to do with anybody but me. So why am I letting that control me enjoying like these tiny little stitches to build a blanket that I think might be soft enough to keep on the couch? Like, you know, so it's that one. It's, it's so funny how just like not being able to knit has really affected how I look at my fears of failure. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you can relate to something you you're looking at something tangible. And, you know, you're probably saying, this is what I do all the time. Like, so why do I do that? Is, is that something, uh, when you look back, is that something that um, could have led you in a different direction had you not given up on a dream mm -hmm. or a, a path or something? 
is there something that maybe you're like, you know what? If I had known this 10 years ago. I, I think yeah. about that all the time. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I'm really proud of the, the resume I had. Um, there was one organization that I was there for almost seven years. And I think I stayed there because I was afraid to leave. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think it was that. And then when it got to a point where I knew that I had met enough people that told me I can do so much more elsewhere. And it was like, I was, I was leaning on the confidence of others instead of myself. So. Wow. That, that is big. And we do tend to look for that external validation so much right. more. Um, so what's changed? How did you sort of, um, begin to validate yourself. Although I, I know we're all a work in progress. I would say the same thing, you know, but what what's changed um, for you? Um, what's led you to some of this more confident, like, you know, I will deal with the rectangle versus the square. I, <laughs> I like that. I, I made my community broader. Like mm -hmm. I stopped um, thinking about just this one institution that I was working at being the end all be all. Um, I put myself in situations where I was uncomfortable, like getting my master's. I was really afraid that I was gonna fail, but then I realized like, I enjoyed this. It was, you know, it was hard work, it was tough work, but like, I really enjoyed being in those classes and meeting those people. And like, I'm still very friendly with some of the professors and a lot of my classmates. And then, um, you know, city and state or New York nonprofit media, they would put out these calls for speakers and I would write them back and be like, I'll be on that panel. I'll do this. Or like I would call up AFP, like putting myself in these situations where now people are looking to me as the expert, um, even though they had the same opportunity to raise their hand and say they were the expert. And then, um, you know, programs like the Institute of Nonprofit Practice where we both met in the leadership program, um, Brought in my, <laughs> but I brought it in my community even more that way. It like the more people I meet, the more people whose stories I hear, the more growth I get within myself, the more confidence I get within myself. And not because they're talking me up, but because I'm hearing about their confidence and the and the challenges and the big steps that they took. And it's just like inspiring to be around, you know to be around that. And I think there's a lot of that in the uh, nonprofit and government community around here. People are beginning to, to feel more open to talk um, and to that exchange of ideas is so invaluable. Uh, to your point, it's not what you're saying, but it's the environment that you've put yourself in and what you're hearing that that is you know helping you and many others to sort of push beyond uh, their immediate boundaries and barriers. Wow. So awesome. So let me ask something fun. What okay. is something, what's a surprising fact about you that nobody knows? This is gonna be like the, the no one knows. debut here. Yes. This that a surprising fact. <laughs> I talk too much and I overshare. So <laughs> people know I, I like, everybody knows everything about me and I have no poker face whatsoever. So like, you know, what's happening all the time when you're around me. Um, I have like a, a talent that I don't bring up a lot is that I'm good with tongue twisters. 
Wow. I was on the speech and debate team from the time I was in fifth grade until I graduated college. And so you would do tongue twisters to like practice or warm up so that you felt like you were ready before you went up there to perform or debate or like give a speech. So, wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's certainly a hidden talent, but that <laughs> is definitely something that is a big confidence booster, right? Before you open your mouth. We all have our own little quirky things that we do to kind of inspire us uh, differently. So get the smile exercise. on your face. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Well, this has been great. Um, I do want to ask you um, before you leave, sort of, is there something that you feel compelled to share? Our listeners are a great cross-section of women uh, different age groups. Um, some of them may be in the nonprofit arena. Others may be thinking about it. Um, others may be battling with some of that imposter syndrome. Um, give us a, like a little nugget, a couple of words of wisdom uh, before we sign off and then tell them how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Um, I'm fortunate that I have been surrounded by amazing women my entire life. I'm one of four girls, you know, I think very highly of my mother and of my sisters. And um, I've been fortunate that every place that I've worked, that I've had these great mentors. And I think I would, I would really push people who are in the process of change or looking for change or want to just, you know, have more of that community to really find your mentors and to really like hone in with them and talk about, you know, not just ask them to be your mentor, but really talk about what that means and what they think they could see for you and what that future is like. You know, I'm really um, fortunate, like my boss, Kathleen Colhane, president of new has been an amazing mentor these past two years. And that's just, you know, it's invaluable to work with that person as well. And then at Safe Horizon, I um, worked with Kelly Coyne, who's their deputy chief program officer there. And it, she's been an incredible mentor and friend to the point where like, she's even encouraged me to join the board of the New York State Coalition Against Domestic Violence with her. I've been their treasurer for, I think, two years now. And it's just, these, are, these women have challenged me, have pushed me, have shown me, um, where I should be and have supported me on getting there. And I just want other women to find those people and that they're out there and you can ask them and don't be embarrassed. And, you know, it, I, I'm really happy to, you know, to be able to continue to build that type of community. Speaking of which community wise, I would love to get in touch with people on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Kate Krug, I'm searchable there. Um, we are hiring right now at non-traditional employment for women. I have the position posted on my LinkedIn. We are hiring for a institutional giving manager, a grant writer that would be on my team. And then our programs team, we're looking for an employment coordinator, a program coordinator, a retention coordinator. We're bringing lots of people into the world to, uh, really support our tradeswomen. So, uh, there's big ways there. And of course you can always email me, um, at, uh, K K R U G at new-nyc.org. Well, Kate, this has been great. Um, I have learned so much more about you, my friend. Uh, 
I love your, you know, you change your world by making your community broader. Um, I'm so encouraged by that. And I love the fact that there is such a great pathway for women in non-traditional careers that we don't always think about. Um, mentors do make a difference. So thank you for reminding us that we should really include those right people in our network to help us see where they think we should be, right? Not where we think we should be uh, because we have those uh, very convenient mm -hmm. limited lenses at hand. So I hope that you enjoy your walk in the forest park. <laughs> Thank <next> you. Door, <laughs> um, this week, connecting with nature and just really um, emerging yourself in a different environment to just brighten your day. I know that you have shone a light uh, for many women who've heard this conversation today. So thank you for sharing that light and maybe allowing them to open the door and shine their own light a little more. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Thank this you. This was great. Yes. yes. And I, I, I see your cat. I love it. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> but thanks again for joining us today. This was great. Thanks, Kate. Thank you.